Great. Well, my name is Daniel. I am the lead pastor here, and we've been for uh, months now in kind of a pretty broad sermon series. Uh, we've been calling um, Living a Life of Spiritual Renewal, and um, we're, we're kind of uh, doing a two-week little kind of special, if you want to call it, I don't know, here, because uh, the the church calendar, right? There's certain holidays throughout the year, certain days of the year that historically the church has observed ever since Christ left this earth. And this week is Ascension Sunday when Jesus went back to heaven. And then next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday when the Holy Spirit came down. And so we're doing a, a two-week series here um, called Empowered. We're going to be talking about exactly uh, who the Holy Spirit is. So much could be said, you know, we're shoving, you know, uh, a, a lot of things. Uh, we can't actually shove a lot of things in two weeks, but um, we're looking at this week, the Holy Spirit as revealer, and next week we're looking at Pentecost as renewal. And hopefully this will be a meaningful time for us. And so, yeah, in the Christian church and even the world, I would say there there's often much confusion about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I grew up in the South, in the deep Bible Belt South, and uh, kind of a, a Bible Baptist kind of church upbringing to where I just never really remember hearing much about the Holy Spirit, really, ever. Very little of the Holy Spirit. Uh, maybe that was uh, some of you that had a similar type of upbringing. Maybe you were more blessed to have a different kind of church uh, experience and be under better teaching in that regard. But um, it's pretty common that uh, just a lot of confusion rests around who the Holy Spirit is and what his role is. At Emmanuel, we believe in the person and in the power and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Hebrew word for spirit in the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, it's, it's ruach. You have to kind of do that, you know, spit was you're saying that. Ruach, it's, it's breath. It's, it means wind, right? If you take a deep breath and just breathe out, that was the, the imagery that the Hebrews, you know, captured to describe the very spirit of God. It says in Genesis 2, 7, it says, the Lord breathed into his nostrils. This is the man after he was created. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the ruach of life, the spirit of life, and the man became a living creature, the relationship between breath and spirit is explored often in scripture. Uh, life is evidenced when there is still breath in our lungs. Breath is active. We are always breathing in, breathing out. Breath is never still. It is always moving and flowing and most often unseen. Knowing this, I want to look at some of the ways in which the scripture speaks and describes the Spirit of God in the Old and New Testaments. Today, we're looking at him as revealer, and so we're going to sum up some of his functions. Again, this could be, uh, so much more could be said. We're just kind of doing some summaries this morning. Um, one of the most important roles of the Spirit is essentially to reveal God's life, to reveal his words and to reveal his power in this world. And this is very common throughout the scriptures. Uh, a couple of things. He, he, the spirit is described as being involved in the creation of the material universe. Uh, Psalm 33 verse 6 says, By the word of Yahweh, the, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath 
of his mouth, the ruach of his mouth. Job 33, 4, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. He came, uh, the spirit came to particular places, to particular people, for particular purposes. You have uh, in Judges chapter 6, Gideon, as he was uh, sent out by God, it says, but the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and he sounded the trumpet. We have Saul in 1 Samuel 10, 6, the spirit of the Lord, this, uh, this is Samuel speaking to Saul. He says, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy and you will be changed into a different person. The prophets to Israel spoke on God's behalf. Nehemiah chapter 9 speaks of the spirits of God speaking through the prophets. We have the spirit of God foretold and anticipated God's coming work in the person of Jesus. Um, all throughout Isaiah, right? It's, it's Isaiah 42 especially, it says, I will put my spirit on him, on this anointed one who is to come, and he will bring justice to the nations. And all the, in the New Testament, the Greek word is pneuma, which also means um, breath. And when we have Luke 1.35, the angel answered Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. and The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the very life of Christ as it entered into this world was made um, possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was by the Spirit of God that Jesus himself lived a sinless life. In Hebrews 9.14, it talks about um, how Jesus, through the eternal spirit, offered himself unblemished to God. It was through the spirit that he lived a sinful life. And we also see a, a, a much more kind of dynamic glimpse of the spirit uh, and greater frequency in the New Testament. Jesus himself was often led in his earthly movements by the spirit. In Luke chapter 1, just one example, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. We see that often that it's guiding him here and guiding him there. The power is made manifest and that who rose Jesus from the dead? It was the spirit of God. Romans says, and that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. And after this power who, who raised Jesus from the dead, it was through the Spirit that Jesus even gave commands to his apostles. In Acts chapter 1, verse 2, this is Luke speaking, I wrote, all about, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And finally, the Spirit continually filled the apostles for witness to Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as they were declaring the salvation of God. Acts 4, a speeder filled with the Holy Spirit boldly gave testimony to the work um, of God in his life and in the, those around him. In Acts chapter 4, 31, in a prayer meeting, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So much more could be said. But a couple of summary statements is like, how, how do we sum up this work of the Spirit? How do we sum up who the Holy Spirit is? Well, this quote from Diane Lehman says this. It should be on the screen behind us here. Who is this Holy Spirit? He is not a ghost. He is not an impersonal force or an elusive power out there. He is neither a doctrine to be studied nor a distant deity to be feared. He is a person to be known and loved. He is God himself. He is one of the three persons of the Trinity, 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. He is God's gift of himself to each of us. That was a great summary statement. One more summary statement from my favorite scholars, Craig Keener. He says, the Holy Spirit, like the Father and Son, is not just a doctrine, not an idea, or an experience to be tagged on to other doctrines and experiences of our Christian life. He is the God who has invaded our lives with his transforming presence. So God reveals himself. And so we saw so many ways, just in that quick glimpse of the scriptures, how God reveals himself through his spirit. God's revelation, it was most clear in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And all Jesus did was through the power and presence of the spirit. And so considering the Holy Spirit as the one who reveals, as we um, celebrate this time of Pentecost, as we look back 2,000 years ago to what occurred in that special day, I want to look at three major ways this morning in which he reveals God's presence, power, and character to us. So the first here is that the Holy Spirit reveals himself to us by the life he births in us. The Holy Spirit reveals himself to us by the life he births in us. Let's read this scripture um, from John, the Gospel of John. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you cannot explain how people are born of the Spirit. John chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Peter opens up his first letter in describing the Spirit as the one who sanctifies or continually, after this reborn experience of, of receiving the Spirit, He continually then sets us apart for holiness and transformation for the remainder of our lives. So the question I want to ask you guys first this morning is this. Right now, how is the Spirit revealing in your life the very life of God? Because this is something he's always doing. This is something he always wants to do. In us, He wants to renew us, to transform us, not just at the beginning when we first believe and receive the Holy Spirit, but daily, every day, he's seeking to renew us and to usher in the very life and the power of God to be made manifest in our own life. And if you don't resist his work in your life, but you remain open to this, and say, Lord, I want, I want to be open to your work. I want to be open to your voice speaking to me. I want to be open to you guiding me and directing me through your scriptures and through your still small voice day in and day out. Um, You will be challenged. You'll be convicted often, but you're going to also be empowered often. You'll also be empowered often. Um, The reality is this, you know, when you first place your faith in Jesus Christ, as the one who died for your sins, you are born again. But none of us in our human lives stays as a baby. We grow up. We mature. Our bodies change as we also grow up, right? And this is the same for us in Christ. We are not to be born again through faith in Christ and remain as spiritual babies and infants 
in this new life that he gave us. No, we're given a new life to grow and to mature and to enjoy God and also be empowered by him. That's why Peter talks about the spirit as the one who sanctifies, like present tense. He currently is setting you apart. Yes, you've been born again, but he's still bringing and ushering in and cultivating that new life that he has given you day in and day out. I think the greatest challenge for us in America, and I'm speaking of myself, right, is remaining continually open to the Spirit's transformative and empowering work on our life without remaining, without, without being just complacent. Because we have so many reasons to be complacent. I mean, life can be so cozy in America compared to so many places in this world. But God, through his spirit, wants to humble us and challenge us and empower us and push us to take risks and be ambitious for his kingdom and taking steps out and giving witness to Jesus Christ, as we'll see some of this in a moment. His new life in us is always at work to push us in this direction. God's presence is one of incredible joy. Right, I mean, we, we, we read scriptures like King David in the Hebrew scriptures. He's saying he's, like he's fainting, almost like a deer that is just panting for water just as, as he's desiring the very presence of God in his life. This is one of the results of cultivating this new life, just a hunger and a desire that the Spirit stirs in us. But he also, sometimes, just as he did with Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, sometimes the Spirit, if we're open to his work, he leads us to the wilderness. It was Jesus. Uh, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why? To be tempted by the devil. Sometimes the Spirit wants to refine us and push us in that way to teach us and to grow us. That's not the most popular way that we like to talk about the Spirit's work in our life, but it's there. Jesus himself experienced it. Are you open to this? Because he does not want you to, be, to remain the same. He wants to reveal himself to you. If you're here and you're like a, you're just kind of exploring the Christian faith, you're open to this. The reason why you're open to hearing about Jesus is not because of our fancy music or not because of, you know, the sermons here. What first drew you here, and I'm telling you this because the scriptures testify to this, it's because the spirit of God is at work in your life. You shouldn't be desiring him because the Bible says that we're sinful at birth, right? We're, we don't naturally um, desire God unless he is already at work in your heart. Unless he is already transforming you and turning your heart toward him. And the question is, will you receive him? Will you receive him? He's already drawing you near. Will you receive him? And for those saints in this room who have been walking in Christ for years and years and years, he is still revealing himself to you. Are you remaining open to this, friends? In faith, we must remain open to his work in our lives, knowing that he will continually reveal himself to us as he cultivates the very life of God in our lives. And all of this is for our own good. And the call this morning is to submit to his revealing work. Secondly, the Holy Spirit empowers us so that he may reveal himself to others, really through you. He empowers us. This is a crucial role for the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, okay? The Spirit wants to reveal the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. That's why he came down. That's why he was given to the church for the purpose of witness. Acts 1 verse 8. 
But Jesus, speaking to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. For what reason? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now the Spirit is the one who still speaks, the one who still guides, and who is still active. His voice can guide us throughout our day as he wants not only to reveal himself to you. It doesn't end His work in your life isn't meant to hit a a dead end in you. It's not only for you. He works in you in order that those around you may receive the work that God is doing in your life. This is so crucially important to understand, friends. You're not a dead end to the work of God in your life. The Spirit is not at work in your life worth to stop right there. You are to be sent out, even to those around you in this room right now, also to your neighbors, your co-workers, your kids, your grandkids. That's what the Spirit is doing in our life, is meant to be sent out. Jesus himself, um, this is important to understand, uh, the Spirit as revealer. We need to look at how Jesus himself described the purpose of his coming, to give purpose to our own lives. As we understand, what, what, why am I still here? You know, there's, there's a crucial kind of point here. If, when you become a Christian, God doesn't say, Great, I'm going to just snatch you up out of this world, take you up to heaven, done. You're still here for a reason. He didn't snatch you up and leave you. He has work for you to do. If there's still breath in your lungs, there's still work for you to do. And the way that we can, we can be informed about what this work is is to look at the work of Christ. Why did Jesus come? Let's see that. Luke chapter 4, verse 43 from his own mouth, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because this is why I was sent. To proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. He was crowned king when they placed a crown of thorns on his brow. He was draped in his royal robes over his beaten body in mockery. And he brought good news to this world through his own death on the cross and in victory in the resurrection. Today is Ascension Sunday where we remember when he ascended into heaven, right? That's the day on the church calendar, this, this day. And that day recognizes the authority that Jesus Christ achieved when he returned to heaven and now is seated at the right hand of the Father in all power and all glory. And next week, as we will visit um, Pentecost, um, as he was seated at the right hand of the Father, that is when his spirit was sent down, was sent down to this world to now spread this good news um, through his people as they now proclaim the kingdom of God has come. Jesus is king. He is Lord. He is Savior. And if we're open to this, he wants you to be a part of his story, and he wants you to be empowered for witness. Um, one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts. It, it, it seems so mundane, and I, I want to read through the entirety of this because um, this can be the work is, maybe some of you in this room can just kind of relate to this. Um, uh, some of you need to be more open to this. Uh, this is kind of work through the Spirit. But let's read how this uh, took place in the book of Acts. Um, this is a story of, uh, of Philip. This is found in Acts chapter 8. It's on the screen behind you here. I love this story. As for Philip, the angel of the, an angel of the Lord said to him, go down south to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, 
a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're at, what you're reading? The man replied, how can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was a prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. So many things, great things happening in this story, right? First off, God had driven him to a desert road. An angel appeared and said, hey, go to a desert road. Now, um, just imagine you're with some of your friends and you live, we live close to a desert and they said, hey, the Lord told me to go take a hike on a desert road by myself. It's like, is that, is that a good idea? Like, really? It took some faith even to be open to that. I mean, come on, that's, that's kind of a crazy thing to say, sure, I'll go by myself the desert road. That sounds like a great idea, but he was open to God, to his, to his leadings. So he obeyed right? And even if his friend said, why? Like, what does God want you to do on this desert road? There was no initial, like, information as to why. He just was told to go. So you'd be like, I don't know. I'm just going the desert road. I think that's where God wants me to go. It's like, okay, you sound a little crazy to me, but I guess go on the desert road by yourself. But as he went, right, he quickly discovers, or I don't know how quick, I don't know how long this hike was, but eventually he discovers the reason, right? This Whole, you can imagine this whole entourage of this very important Ethiopian person probably traveling with dozens of other people and mounted on camels and all this gold and wealth. And it was a big display, I'm sure it was, this almost like a, this royal, almost royal figure that was traveling. And, um, and he literally hears this guy reading from the Bible from the prophet Isaiah from chapter 53, which is all about a prophecy about Jesus Christ himself. And Philip at this point is probably laughing to himself. You know, as the spirit says, go walk over the chariot. He's like, okay, I get it. I know what's going on now, right? But you see, in faith, he, he stepped out and he was open and he was willing. And sure enough, the spirit's like, go over there. Look what I brought you to. I want you to be using this man's life to tell him who Jesus is. Now, I'm sure this was a really incredible experience for Philip because as they're walking, there's an oasis. This guy's like, I want to be baptized. This Jesus guy, I believe in him. He's my Lord, he's my Savior. And Philip says, great, let's, let's baptize you. And the question that we, we draw from this is, do you listen to a still small voice throughout your day? Are you open to his speaking to you throughout the day? In a grocery store, out and about with neighbors, talking to them, is there a chance that the Lord wants to use you for witness? 
There's a chance that the Spirit wants to reveal himself to someone around you, and he's calling you to step up and to be open to his work. The good news is, of this is there's an empowerment awaiting us when we respond in obedience. He doesn't just say, go out and do this risky thing for me, and then he backs away and says, I'm not going to be there to help. I'm not going to be a part of this. Just go out and, you know. No, he, he comes with us, and he empowers us for the work that he wants to do in us. Um, the, the way that the book of Acts, especially the New Testament, kind of describes this, this work of empowerment is, um, is, is spoken of as, as filling um, we know, we already said that you know, the Holy Spirit enters us when we first become Christians, but he doesn't stop filling us. He's not done filling you. I, 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 I'm in school right now for whatever reasons. I've been in school for forever. And um, as I've been looking at the book of Acts, I, I, I caught on to this. I was like, this is fascinating. All right. Did you know the Apostle Peter, in the first four chapters of the book of Acts was filled three times with the Spirit. Not once, not twice, but three times. Acts 2 verse 4, he was part of the crowd and of course in the upper room at Pentecost when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues which led to Peter's famous sermon at Pentecost. Later when God worked a great miracle through Peter, um, as he was giving testimony to the kingdom of God and he healed somebody and it drew a big crowd and the news was going around and he was kind of put before the authorities to give an answer for what took place at chapter four, verse eight. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, and he gave witness. Second filling. But then right after that, he was in a prayer meeting because they realized uh, there's gonna be some hostility here against this, this preaching of Jesus. And so Peter joined a crowd of Christians and they were praying at chapter four, verse 31. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So how does the Spirit of God fill Peter not once, not twice, but three times and surely even more afterwards? Being filled with the Spirit then becomes a result of being open to his voice in our lives and obeying and like stepping out in obedience. That's when you will experience what it means to be filled with his spirit. He will guide you and he will empower you. He won't guide you and abandon you. He's your helper. And friends, this is where the church, and this is so important to understand, if we're open to this, if we're open as a church, and I know we are here at Emmanuel, this is when the church will discover its power. We have power, friends. And again, it's not in my own skin and bones or not in our great music, right? The power is through the spirit who has been given to us. And so we as a church must remain obedient to listening to his voice and stepping forward in it. And then the very power of God will be revealed in our midst as he fills you and you'll be able to leave this place as an ambassador for his kingdom, empowered by the Spirit. You guys awake? You guys track with me this morning? You guys hear this? Okay. All this leads us to our final point today. And I got to, you know, there's many other reasons why the Spirit was also given to us. It's not only witness, right? But that's a crucial one um, to speak of. And there's other ways that we'll talk about um, as well as to why the Spirit was given to us. But that's a really crucial reason. This leads us to our final point today that the Holy Spirit in our lives 
as he is a revealer, he brings clarity often when there is confusion. He reveals that things, he reveals clarity to us even in the midst of confusion. As we try to live this life of listening and obeying the Spirit of God, as he fills us, there isn't a promise that confusing things just won't happen in our life, or even chaotic things won't happen. In the book of Acts, as, as Paul was stepping out in faith, um, being a witness and being empowered by the Spirit to do so, as the Spirit of God was transforming his own life, uh, he went to the city in Ephesus, um, and he, God worked great miracles through him by the Spirit, and uh, he, he by accident instigated an actual riot, all right? Um, like, literally, there was a public riot in the city of Ephesus because uh, so many people were becoming Christians, and there was a lot of business to be made by selling, you know, merchants, by selling statues and things of their local, you know, goddess, which was Artemis, and people were no longer worshiping Artemis. These merchants were like, yo, we're going out of business. We got to get rid of these guys. He, he's defaming our great goddess Artemis, and they started a riot in the city. Now, if you were Paul and you were, you know, knowing that God is with you as you did this, like, oh, Lord, uh, there's a riot and it's because of me. Like, am I going to die? Like, this is a little crazy here. But the Lord was with him. All throughout the book of Acts, there were shipwrecks, imprisonments of the Lord's disciples and the early Christians, beatings. There was also miraculous escapes from prisons. Uh, there were earthquakes that were a part of God's work in revealing himself to people. Uh, Jesus showing up to Paul, who was then known as Saul, blinding him. Uh, the spirit driving the disciples to go to this place, but not to go to this place. And at times you read these stories and you're almost like, this feels a little chaotic. Like it's just kind of like, it's all over the place. Is there like a formula here of God's work in our life? Is there a formula of how these things will play out in the church? The answer is not really. There's not some strict, easy to understand formula here, but what we do know is that the Spirit of God was present and with even the ones like Stephen who died because of his witness to the gospel. In his last moments, it was Stephen who caught a glimpse of Jesus even standing at the right hand of the Father, and he gave a witness to the living Christ just moments before he was stoned to death. What, ha what this means is in the midst of this seeming chaos that is happening, there's actually order. There's order because God has his agenda that he is bringing about through his spirit. Whenever these early Christians experienced this power and work and miracles among them, they would get a glimpse of this clarity. Oh, God is in this. Things may seem crazy out there, but once again, through his spirit, God has shown he is here and he, is not in, he has not left us. And that is where the boldness of these early Christians, that's where their boldness came from to keep going, to not stop, but to take one more step forward, even if it meant their own life was in great harm for doing so. So if you talk about this, we're kind of on the back end of our sermon at this point. Um, when you think about your, your own life, in the state of the world today, we've covered a lot of ground this morning of the Holy Spirit's work is revealing. Um, I want to get practical here and ask some questions of maybe uh, some of us could use clarity in our own lives. Even zoom out, right? Um, sometimes you look at the world and the news, do you think, Lord, it'd be great to have some clarity on what in the world is going on in our world. We live in unique times, which is a, uh, I think it's like a French curse or something. 
Um, that is where we live today. Um, we live in unique times. Has anyone else needed clarity these past, I don't know, a couple of years, which seems like an entire lifetime that's taken place in the past three years, right? But has there been a series of events in your own life that maybe feel random or confusing and you're actually wondering, is God like actually in this? Um, the last couple of years have been really hard for everyone. All the confusion is in this world. Sometimes it may feel like things are possibly beyond redemption. Maybe you've wondered if Jesus, if all these promises and all these things about Jesus, is he really big enough to handle the craziness of these times? Um, we likely find ourselves uh, worrying for the future of our families, maybe in the future of our church, of the church, our own country. But if anything is true from the sermon today, we need to remind ourselves that the Holy Spirit is present, was given to us to show us he is in control and he can bring clarity to all the mystery and the confusion that is happening around us. God is not a God of chaos or confusion, but a God of order. Sometimes it takes great faith to embrace that reality because in a moment it may not feel like that's exactly the case. There's a great, there's a, there's a lot of verses in scripture that, that talk about the, the immediacy of the presence of God. That, you know, maybe at church services we feel like he's near, right? Or times of prayer we feel like he's near. But listen to this, this, this verse out of Isaiah chapter 27. It, 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 this is um, the Lord. It says, a pleasant vineyard, this is his people he's speaking of. A pleasant vineyard, sing of it. I, the Lord, am its keeper. Every moment... I water it. Lest anyone punish it, I keep it night and day. Every moment he waters it. Every moment. That's why the Spirit is with us. He's always with us. Every moment. Every moment. In closing, I want to call up the worship team and, and close with a story, and hopefully this will communicate well. <clears throat> or um, call up Joel at least in the worship team in a few minutes. Um, the Sistine Chapel, right? It's a famous uh, place. Some, some of you have seen it. I had the privilege of seeing it myself some years ago. It was finished in 1512, and it's in the Vatican. Uh, for for uh, centuries, of course, no electricity, so to see the beauty of the artwork in the Sistine Chapel, um, it took candles to be lit. Every single day, candles were lit for hundreds of years. So in more modern times, um, the ceiling of the chapel is full of little frescoes, just a whole lot of smaller frescoes just covering the ceiling. And people noticed just how rather dull in color and in appearance they looked. Um, in those days, this is in the 60s and 70s, people, re people started thinking like, Michelangelo, really uh, great artist, but he didn't really like color very much. Everything looks faded and just kind of gross looking, um, especially as seen on the ceiling, until somebody realized, well, well, maybe it's not that he, um, you know, didn't have a vision for color in his work. Maybe there's like soot from, uh, I don't know, hundreds of years of candles in this room that's developed on the ceiling. So for 15 years, they put this theory to the test, and pre preservationists painstakingly cleaned the frescoes. Okay, I have a picture of the ceiling before 
Um, oh, I don't know how that well that's going to communicate on the screen behind me here. They probably won't. But G-Camps, you can look it up on your own, kind of before and after, okay? Afterwards, I don't know if how it's going to look. Um, it is lit. And there's one more slide after which shows, you know, kind of two side-by-side -side comparisons of just a color that was revealed after it being covered with soot. And I use this for an analogy. If the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals, um, is your own life covered with soot? Have you allowed things to just build up in your own life that just kind of darkened what feels like darkened the presence of God in your life? He wants to clean that up. He wants to reveal his life, a life full of vibrancy and color and purpose and even energy and empowerment for the sake of Jesus Christ in your life. He will clean it up. He can break those things away and reveal himself to you. And the question this morning is, are you open to him doing so? Are you open?